Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. It's a spooky episode we have for you today as we talk Regal's scary pricing idea. Nintendo slashing the competition this holiday. The death of Connect and picks on the top five movie horror franchises. All this and more as we once again delve into with another episode of the pop culture cosmos my name is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source we truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today and well whenever we're having a pop culture cosmos show to break down the latest news and trends in everything pop culture who else but my good friend he's the man amid the legend would be joining me he is the michael myers of Humanica Media, it's the slasher, Josh Peterson. Happy Halloween, my friend. Hey, hey, yeah, it's uh, it's that time of year. Uh, time to uh, get get the old costumes out and uh, go go scare some people. You've been reading these articles about people saying or warning parents that people are lacing candy with marijuana, and all the stoners are getting on there and saying uh, that it's lies because do you know how expensive it costs? It's so expensive that they're like, we would never waste it giving it to your kids. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Precious, precious. Yeah. So I'll ask you, what are you dressing up as this Halloween? I'm dressing up as everyone's favorite podcast host, Gerald Glassford. I'm working on my costume right now, but you know, I'll, I'll get back to you. Okay, it'd just be something from National or maybe a podcast celebrity or just a pop culture. Throw a Star Wars t-shirt on you and you're good to go. Uh, there we go. <laughs> there you go. It, and for me, I think I'm just going to be dressed up as someone who just appreciates the Halloween season. Just put a box on me. I'm good to go. That's fine. I'm already there. We'll just leave it at that. I'm going to let my kids do all the trick-or-treating for me. I'm just going to have a hard time keeping up with them and see if I can snag some candy out of the bag while they're not looking. Secrets out, man. Secrets out, indeed. We're just kidding on that. Once again, this is Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos. We truly appreciate it. And as always, we've got a great show lined up for you. We've got 
Jason Feinberg from Honeyqueen, the great podcast that he has on so many different outlets, including Apple Podcasts and more. He's going to stop by later in the broadcast with his choices on the top five movie horror franchises because he's such an expert on the Halloween scene. We've also got Rob McCallum with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. And of course, my good friend Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater podcast. He's here to recap another great weekend in the NFL. But Josh, it all starts off with us. And Regal has done something a little bit interesting. Uh, they announced plans in the near future. They're thinking of going to a different pricing scheme as far as the way they go and market it, the movies that they have. I can see the, the from the angle of both sides of this as far as what they want to do is they want to go ahead and movies that are not as successful or let's put let's put it out there bombs either in a critical or in let's say a financial fashion uh, i'll give you an example suburbicon this weekend did horrible at the box office has got a horrible movie centric grade as far as uh, that's concerned which right now stands at a d minus so nobody is watching this matt damon flick directed by George Clooney, that's a movie that they would probably target in this new pricing scheme as making it cheaper and possibly even making more attractive to audiences. I've got my own thoughts on this, but Josh, I want to start off with you. What are your thoughts on this potential pricing structure that Regal Cinemas is currently contemplating? I think it's a bad idea. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a cash grab for them. They want more money, but they're they're trying to lessen the blow of a a potential rise in ticket pricing by saying hey if the movie has been in theaters for a while it's uh you know we'll we'll charge less for it but what does that mean that's that's still going to kill box office numbers as far as like opening weekends go and stuff like that and because you know look look at it this way like it's only really going to affect like marvel disney i mean well disney in general because they own all those companies or even like warner brothers the big superhero flicks are going to be you know what are you paying right now to get into a movie about 15 bucks the average according across the country is about ten dollars i know here in the las vegas market it is right around 12 to 20 depending on if you want like i was talking about the uh on a previous episode with you and i when uh wanted to watch blade runner 2049 which is an excellent picture correct by the way. yes correct and it is not the flop that many say that that it is it's it's actually garnering uh close to it'll probably go to about 250 million worldwide it's the number one movie in japan so all props to it and because of all the praise it will receive it by the end of the year, it may get a boost then. But, you know, I paid about $20 for an IMAX screening. And uh, I will say this, it's about 12 to 20 right now going right here in Las Vegas. But in, in New York, where taxes and fees and whatnot, it goes even higher. So it's some, definitely something to to think about. I, I know in the LA market, it's pretty pricey as well. Yeah, it's it's fourteen fifty down here to get into an Edwards for just a regular, you know, regular time movie. So... Okay, so when movie theaters announce price bumps, they're not just like minuscule like cent things. They're they usually raise it by you know three or four dollars. So you're you're going to be looking at almost twenty dollars to get in to see like a, a Marvel film on opening weekend or even Star Wars. And then I think that they're not going to keep their word on like what's going to qualify as a you know uh, been in theaters for long enough. It's going to be three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, or is it going to be 
maybe the last week that's in, it's in theaters, they'll finally take the pricing down. Like they're not, there's no specifics coming out on any of this, but you know, much like the video game industry, they're, they're really theaters are looking for any way they can to up the price of what they're selling. So, you know, I don't, I don't know, man, I don't think it's a good idea. I'm not down for it. And it's getting so pricey that people are just going to stop, you know, look at box office numbers right now. They're, they're pretty low, so uh, it's just been down over the course of the year. I mean, I, September was a great month for it. October, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is the biggest hit of the month, and of course, it did not meet expectations of the studio and many others. So that tells you right there that over the course of the year, it's pretty much down overall. Right, it's getting worse and worse all the time. So I think models like this are going to cause the collapse of the film industry as far as uh you know the non straight to netflix or dvd type approaches go i just think it sets an unfair precedent for those films that do achieve some level of success like you said the marvel and disney movies and and blockbuster hits they're they're still going to make their share but i think it they even get affected by this because it sets an unfair precedent of you know why should they be penalized because their movie is successful why should their movie be penalized because their movie does well, either on a critical or financial basis? And why should these films that don't do as well, these these flops, critical, what have you, Suburbicon, which has been a critical and financial failure across the board, why should that movie benefit from this pricing structure just because it's bad? What about all those maybe independent, smaller, or even uh, larger budget films that are right in the middle of the road that will not get this type of consideration. So they get hurt on, on that end as well. And it, it just, maybe somebody, maybe you and I are going to go see this, thinking about going to see this film that's on the middle, uh, right on the fence. And it isn't being considered by Regal for a pricing structure or a pricing cut. Well, okay, maybe we'll instead go see this other movie that's cheaper that didn't get uh, highly rated or whatnot just because we want to see it. King Arthur. King Arthur wasn't very highly rated or whatnot. I'll, I'll throw that out. But you really wanted to go see it. Let's say you, you go see it, uh, you see a lower price. Uh, that affects other movies by you committing your money to that film because it was gifted at a lower price. So I think it sets an unfair precedent. I understand why Regal's trying to do it. They're trying to, to help boost a sagging box office. And in the age where movie pass is becoming now more and more of reality, which they are not truly happy with and not truly embracing. I, I understand them trying to look at different avenues for a revenue structure, but I think this unfairly penalizes those movies that actually do well in a critical or financial fashion. We're not exactly thrilled with the Regal pricing idea. Hopefully, Regal will reconsider it. Otherwise, it's going to set some very dangerous precedents down the road. What are your thoughts on Regal's new possible pricing structure? What do you think of their new pricing idea? Do you think it's something that, that you're cool with? Will it entice you to go see movies more often, especially ones that didn't meet financial or critical standards? What are your thoughts? Pop Culture Cosmos at yahoo.com. Also, as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. 
Well, like I said before, we've got a great episode coming up. We've got Ron McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Podcast coming up later in the show to recap week eight in the NFL. And Jason Feinberg from Huntingween, that awesome podcast of his. He's going to break down the top five horror movie franchises, in his opinion, he, a little bit later in the show as well. But we've got another great song from Hyperschmidt. Tell you what, if you want to check out Chad's work, just stop on by Hyperschmidt, H-Y-P-E-R-S-C-H-M-I-T-T on YouTube. You can check out all of his great songs there, like this one. And this is about to win. And this is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Waiting just to see the light. When did this become a fight? Struggle just to fill my lungs with air. Staring at the finish line, the darkness running out of time. I'll do what it takes to get you
listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Hi, I'm Joe Heath. I'm Tony Heath. And we're going to watch every episode of Doctor Who and then talk to you about it. Every episode? Every single one. In order? From an unearthly child to, you know, the future. And we're going to do it in a podcast that we call... The Watchathon of Rassilon. Watchyourrassilon.com. And we're also a part of the ESO Network, so check us out or whatever. Please. Stay Rassil Awesome. Stop trying to make Rassil Awesome a thing. Nope. Thanks again for joining us. It is the Cosmic Crossfire. I'm here with my good friend, the man with the legend, the director of Nintendo Quest, and so many other awesome features. You got to check it out today on robmccallumfilms.com or Rob McCallum Films on Facebook because he's got so many things in the fire going on. It's just, you know, the list is just continuously growing as we speak. It's <laughs> Rob McCallum. It's great to have you back back in the middle of the cosmic crossfire got amazing stuff that's already been out already including missing mom nintendo quest and so much more and congratulations i haven't spoken to you on a personal matter as far as you being nominated for three chicago emmys for your work with the chicago white Sox. so congratulations with that yeah three emmy nods that's that's not too bad uh directing writing and uh, we were nominated for best overall spot so that that's pretty exciting thanks Yes, uh, indeed. So definitely looking forward to you accepting those awards and getting the. Well, we'll see. Well, we'll, we'll see. see. Let's let's not, you know, counter chickens before they hatch. So let's not jinx it. I hear you. I hear you. We've got a lot of great things to talk about right here on this show. So Rob, what's on tap for today's program? Disney announced a new Star Wars VR attraction at Disneyland. Star Wars: Secret of the Empire. Or Secrets of the Empire. It's thirty bucks. It is a story, and you're in groups of four teams that will go undercover as stormtroopers to capture Imperial intelligence, vital to the budding rebellion survival. Now, this is a VR attraction. It's thirty dollars on top of Disney prices. I always hate the double grab at amusement parks where you pay to get in and then have to pay for more stuff above and beyond food, especially attractions. What do you think of this, sir, who goes to Disneyland with some frequency? I'm going to do it at least once. And if I like it, <laughs> even more. You know, I, we're going to, uh, they get Shut you while you're there. Take my money. Exactly. It's, what, what, do you, what else do you want me to say? I'm wearing a Darth Vader shirt for crying out loud. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite if I say, oh, well, I never do that. I can't do that at all. That's, that's terrible. You know, I got to tell you, I don't know that I would spend 30 bucks for it, and I like Star Wars. I'm just telling you, while we're there, while you're in the moment, the girls would no. go crazy for it. And okay, but, uh, it's got to be yeah. something that we got to do at least once. But you got a family of four. And that's 120 bucks. That's like a whole day pass at Disney. Believe me, I know this. You've already done the math. You've already carried the one. Yeah, and it, it just you got to try it at least once. Uh, I just feel like this is not like going to be a an amazing original story. I think it's only 15 minutes long, from what I remember. It's going to like here's two dollars basically. Yeah, here's the VR version of the trench run that you've seen a million times and played a million times in video games, but now it's at Disneyland. Give me your $30. 
as something like that. I'm just going to tell you, it's it's unfortunate, but you know that's how they get your money. That's how they get you. You know that's okay. We won't get you on raising our prices every year x amount because that's what they've been doing. That's been making a lot of people angry. Instead, we'll throw this curveball at you. Hopefully, I'll, I'll, they'll reconsider and. Maybe if there's not enough people buying it that they'll reconsider and just add it in. But guess what they'll do then? They'll just go back to raising the prices of general admission every single year even more. So it's a tit for tat. What are you going to do? Either and, this and or – VR of that. all things though. Like I just uh, – I don't know. I'm not sold. I know we just had Sony's one-year anniversary of PlayStation VR and there's been 100 games and more to come. And VR has not not gone over the way they wanted to. It's not becoming the phenomenon that everybody hoped it is. All what uh, Vive, Oculus Rift—they've dramatically lowered their prices. PSVR has even lowered its prices. They're the king and they're the leader of virtual reality, and they've only sold a little bit over a million units. That wraps up the Cosmic Crossfire. If you uh, have questions, comments, or Want to just let us know what you thought of it. Drop us a line. Uh, where can they hit us up, Gerald? You can always leave your thoughts with us on popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Just let us know. You know, We can actually uh, read your comments on the air, read your questions on the air. And I know Rob and the Cosmic Crossfire, Josh, or Tyler Baker uh, for Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. Uh, any one of us would be glad to uh, take your questions and just want to go ahead and send it to us. We truly appreciate it. There you go. There it is. And whether the Cosmic Crossfire returns next week, we're not sure yet. But uh, given that we usually record on Tuesdays, uh, you may hear this on part of the Monday show or the Friday show because we like to make sure we're done in advance. But next Tuesday is, say, Halloween. Exactly. So, yeah. so that might be hard with all the trick-or-treating going on. I'm sure you'll be out trick-or-treating. I will be with the girls I want to make sure everybody that hears this has a safe Halloween and happy Halloween. No scaring. Not, not too much scaring. How about that? Gerald, well, I have a feeling that you're the type of, type of guy that likes to scare kids on Halloween, aren't you? Every now and then. <laughs> Every now and then, folks. You heard it first. Right here on the Cosmic Crossfire as featured on the Pop Culture Cosmos. There you go. All right. Well, All thanks right. for having me, my friend. Pleasure, my friend. And as always, to have you a part of the pop culture cosmos. 2017 is a pinnacle year for Rob McCallum Films. Coming off the heels of the internationally acclaimed and award-winning documentary, Missing Mom, we're in the final stages to release Kitty, Origins and Evolutions. Check out this heavy metal biopic that explores the ups and downs of rock and roll for the women in Kitty who blazed a trail in the music industry in the face of unthinkable adversity. Kitty, Origins and Evolutions releases this year from Rob McCallum Films. 2017 is the year to set your future on fire. And we're back with the program. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And I'll tell you what, it's, well, in a spooky episode, it being the Halloween season, part of the Halloween culture and, and tradition. And who better to talk about something I really want to talk about when it comes to Halloween than my good friend, a man who I was on his show last week, and you got to check it out. It's Jason Feinberg of the Hunnic Ween Podcast. How are you, my friend? Ooh. <laughs> that was pretty scary. I like that. I like that. It's always great to have you on the show. It's truly appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. First off, I want to make sure everybody checks out 
his program, the Hunnicween Podcast. You want to check it out on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and also they are a great part of the BS Podcast Network. That's Hunnicween, H-U-N-N-I-C-W-E-E-N, just like Halloween. It's awesome indeed. I want to hear your thoughts on what are the top five horror movie franchises and a little bit why, in your opinion, why they are so, because as you stated on your show and also out in social media, whatnot, Halloween is your favorite time of the year. Thanks for having me on the show. As for the hows and whys of why Halloween and how Halloween is my favorite holiday, I think it all began in the late 70s, early 80s when I would always watch the Garfield Halloween special and It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. And over the years, it, it was a tradition because you had Garfield and Charlie Brown for either Halloween, Thanksgiving, Easter, or Christmas. So when it comes time to Halloween, I just love the atmosphere. I love the horror stories. Can't get enough of them. There's just something about the mood. There's something about the decorations. There's something about the free candy. There's something about the... I can watch a horror movie outside of October, but when you're watching a Halloween, there's just something about... I don't know because it gets darker out earlier. I don't know if it's just, again, mood, atmosphere. It's really hard to tell. But and then what's even scarier is that they're already showing Christmas commercials. They have the decorations that. But as for the top five franchises what what movie franchises do you yeah think, as far as from a horror standpoint do you think qualify as as the most effective in scaring audiences well this is a hard one but i'm actually going to go with I, I go with the universal monster club but the problem is they don't scare people anymore they're just classics they're not so i'm going to have to take a step above and go with the hammer horror ones because they manage to take color and make things scarier with the gore. So that's number five. For number four, I have problems with this one, but I'm going to put it anyway because I like the first four movies of this franchise, and that's Texas Chainsaw. And that's because this was a horror movie where we, we dealt with aliens and we dealt with werewolves and dealt with vampires. We never really dealt with backwoods cannibals. And I love the fact you have these backwoods hillbilly cannibals that were working. They were butchers, but unfortunately their cows, I don't know, disappeared. They lost money. So they turned to cannibalism to put food on the table. And the first four movies are great. The 21st century ones I don't really pay too much attention to. But as silly as the second, third, and the fourth movies are, I still like the idea that these people are so insane and they're willing to kill and cut people and you know, sell them as meat to me. That That's genius. Uh, number three has to go to Nightmare on Elm Street because I think it's scary because as you get older, you just black out. You, you don't want to fall asleep, but you just do. One, two, you. I think the problem is he's scarier in the first movie. He became jokier by three, four, and five. But with the exception of New Nightmare... And uh, that 2010 remake, it's not a bad series. Now, as for the next, uh, I'm going to get a lot of hell for this one, but 
And no, it's not going to be Hellraiser. I was thinking of it, but I'm actually going to go a little bit more since we lost Romero. His creep show and slash Tales of the Dark Side. Because Tales of the Dark Side was supposed to be Creep Show 3. It's a great anthology series. There's really nothing wrong with 2. 2 just tripped over the finish line because there were a lot of budgetary issues. But I really think you should take a look at how you should do horror films because if you just can't bring out the irony or bring out the gore, especially with that first story with Creepshow with, with Father's Day, the atmosphere in that one with, with Father coming back from the grave to, to get his cake, I thought was pretty. And also the Leslie Nielsen story, something that tied you over. And there were some jump scares with uh, The Crate, even though that one was too long, but still. And as for number one, again, we lost Romero, but I have to go with the Night of the Living Dead series. At, at least the first one. The others are a little entertaining. I think the most underrated past night would be Land. They're not really scary after night, but I, I have to give credit where credit is due because I don't think... George knew what he had when he first made those movies, and I really feel bad about the copyright issues. But it's really hard to watch any franchise because they're so concerned about the sequel, the merchandising, that as I get older, I got desensitized. So there are individual movies that I know that are a lot better than the franchises, but everything's getting franchised nowadays, and that's a problem. You hit it right on the head where all these horror movies these days want to become a franchise, Insidious, and so many others. You mentioned Hellraiser. I bet you that's going to get rebooted at some point in time. Also as well, you've got Friday the 13th and also Halloween. Those franchises that were back from a time where it really invigorated the horror movie scene and, and probably laid the foundation for what we have here today. Can't agree with you more. And Saw as well, especially with Jigsaw. That also being a movie franchise, Final Destination, those also as well being part of the modern movie scene. Definitely some great thoughts indeed. Once again, this is Jason Feinberg of Honeyqueen. You want to check out his truly awesome podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, and as part of the BS Podcast Network. Jason, it's been great having you on. I'll tell you what. Can't wait to get you back on the show to talk more great pop culture subjects. And I truly appreciate you coming on to see us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. No problem. Thanks again. Thank you so much. And thank you for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos show. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. Josh, well, it's another big hit for Nintendo that just came out, both critically and it looks like it's selling very well. Super Mario Odyssey has hit stores and hit it hard with an awesome, awesome game that looks like it's getting praise universally throughout the land among gamers. It looks like it just 
increases that great tradition that Mario games have already. But I want to hear your thoughts. It looks like that Nintendo's holiday is looking very primed to dominate the market this holiday season once again with not only the Switch but the Super NES Classic and all the great things because you've still got a lot of people that are interested in getting Zelda Breath of the Wild and now that there's Super Mario Odyssey, there's now two foundational reasons why Nintendo could be a strong player this holiday season. Right, and you notice too, a lot more stores have Switches in stock. Like the past three or four times I've been to Target, I've, you know, you just walk up and you find them in their shelves. So that's definitely helping them also. And yeah, because I mean, this is kind of the beginning of a lot of games coming out for the Switch. They had those uh, the indie games come out last month, which is like Golf Story and stuff like that. And those are pretty cool. But now we actually have the big, uh, I guess you can call them AAA titles coming out. You have Super Mario. Um, I know November 17th, I think you have Skyrim coming out and you have Doom, L.A. Noir, those ports are coming over as well. There's about 200 games that are going to be roughly either at or just passing the 200 games mark that's going to be available on the Nintendo shopping area. Right, and you have, you know, you're you're also going to have like your you have a couple RPGs, you have Lost Fear and Xenoblade uh, Chronicles 2 coming out. So it's it's a good time. I think that Nintendo is, you know, with the exception of the virtual console, they're finally listening to what the fans want. And they're, this is what we've been waiting for. You know, they've put out arcade games. They put out re-releases of stuff. And there, there's a chance we'll probably, I'm, I'm sure we'll see more of those in the future. But for me, like the selling point on the Switch is the handheld, like being able to take it on the go and play. And like, I would love, like back when I was playing Zelda, I would take it with me when I was traveling in the car. I had some downtime between, uh, you know, work or lunch or whatever. I'd sit there and play, and that's the big appeal of this system. So it's rad that you can now play these games, you know, that we played as kids or on Nintendo 64 on the go, and then when we get home, we can plug it into the TV. So the Switch is definitely a a console that's worth buying, and now that there's actually games to play on it, I think that it's going to be a good season for them. PlayStation doesn't have any really any exclusives coming out. They had Gran Turismo, which which sucked. I bought it and I traded it in immediately. But it was, uh, yeah, and they, they don't have any exclusives. Xbox doesn't. I don't, do they have ex any exclusives? Well, Forza 7 and then also Cuphead. They're yeah. two major exclusives right now. Obviously, they're with the Xbox One X. They're, they're focusing on a lot of their games being bumped up to 4K to match the Xbox One X specs. And like Microsoft has a lot going for them. They have the Xbox One X and the, the 4K upgrades, and you have the new backwards compatibility. Um, hitting the market. I, th I think it already did. Well, yes, the Xbox, original Xbox compatibility with about a dozen games just came up this week, yes. You know, those things are all really cool, but the Switch is really the only console that's releasing between now and Christmas brand new content for gamers to play, and I think that that's going to put them ahead this holiday season. New exclusive content, yes, you're right, like Super Mario Odyssey, IGN, in their review, they said Super Mario Odyssey was flawless, and they don't ever throw words around like that over there. No, they do, usually don't. It's usually best to stay away from that type of wording. So definitely some great sign on Super Mario Odyssey. In fact, that sign as far as been, has been repeated quite a bit by dozens and dozens of reviewers online when it comes to Super Mario Odyssey. I'm sorry that your experience with Gran Turismo Sport wasn't exactly what you were looking for, but... 
I, like you said, PlayStation doesn't really have outside of it an exclusive to, to lean on this holiday. Xbox, uh, it's leaning on Forza, a heavy, and Cuphead as well. Uh, also with PUBG being a ex- kind of like an exclusive for now on uh, consoles, but you can get it on PC, and it's because it's doing uh, very well there. I want to ask you one last thing. Could the only thing holding it back is price? Because as you and I both know, there's going to be special holiday bundles that are going to be released during the holiday season. There's already a bundle that's available for Super Mario Odyssey and whatnot. I want to ask you, prices for the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox One S could go as low as $200 or below be offered by certain retailers this holiday season. That could be almost a 100, if not more, dollar difference than what the basic price structure of the bundles that could be offered by Nintendo Switch will be offered at this holiday season. What are your thoughts? Will price be something that may hold Nintendo back from full domination this holiday season? See, if it were, if the gloves were on like the hands of Sony or Microsoft, I would say maybe, but. I don't think so, because like, what has Nintendo proven us, you know, countless times over the past couple of years is that they have new consoles come out, or like rebranded or classic versions of their old consoles come out, and people are not only willing to stand outside the stores at you know three or four in the morning or even overnight to get these things, they're willing to pay a whole lot of money to get them. So I think that you know there's still a demand for the Switch, but there's not really enough on these consoles right now just because it's a price drop to merit going out and buying one over a Nintendo Switch when all the kids and their friends are probably going to have Switches coming up this holiday season. If there were like a game out like um, you know a new Halo or a new God of War or something like maybe that would make a case for it but you know just because you're dropping the price we always say that the price drop causes more people to buy it maybe it does but they won't buy it right away they'll probably wait until a game comes out that they actually want to play or else it's just going to kind of sit on their shelf. But, you know, the Switch is hot and I don't think that dropping console prices on PlayStation and Xbox is going to turn people off of buying a Switch. I kind of disagree in some in some senses that I think it will impact some when Sony can maybe bundle Battlefront 2 or something like that at a really low price with it because they're going to throw out that, hey, our systems are substantially cheaper Plus, they have a larger library with almost all of the the top current games on the market that are available to play on it, like Call of Duty, Star Wars Battlefront 2, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus, Assassin's Creed Origins, virtually almost every game outside of Super Mario Odyssey, of course, that is coming out in the next two months is going to be targeted for those consoles instead of the Nintendo Switch. Nintendo Switch is going to be getting ports, older versions of games, and they're going to try PlayStation and Xbox to try and market it from that angle and the fact that it could be up to $100 cheaper with a bundled game. So I see it impacting a little bit, but I, I, have, I, I also agree with your, your assessment that Nintendo's going to do huge this holiday season with the Switch and the Super NES Classic side-by-side, making it very difficult for PlayStation and Xbox to really get a hold and a good corner base of the market this holiday season. I could foresee that as well. And basically, if if you're out there 
Nintendo is making more systems available. Josh has seen it in the Los Angeles and Orange County area, and I've certainly seen it in Las Vegas over the past couple months. I've seen switches at several department stores available already, and it will be in short supply as as more demand comes up for it this holiday season. But it should not be as hard as or difficult as it was in the past getting a Switch or a Super NES Classic this holiday season. What are your thoughts on this holiday season when it comes to the video game console market? Do you see Nintendo dominating like never before? Or do you think it's going to be some heavy competition in the mix between PlayStation 4, Xbox, and Nintendo, especially if PlayStation and Xbox drops their prices dramatically? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanic Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. We're back with the program once again. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos Halloween version. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the scary broadcast today. And I'll tell you what, you want to know what's really scary? A lot of fantasy football teams right now because they're <laughs> fighting that they're going to lose a lot more to come with all the injuries and all the poor activity and the weather itself played yeah. a factor with a lot of it's games. Terrible. Yes, yes, indeed, this weekend. And who here to break down week eight in the scary NFL than other than my good friend, he's the man myth legend behind scary, spooky, and <laughs> phantasmical, if there actually is a word, <laughs> fantasy football. It's Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast and ffpater.com. What's up, my friend? How having, are you? Good. I hope you're having as scary a time as I am so far. <laughs> Been a you know interesting, kind of a spooky week in the NFL with some some strange things going on. And like I was saying, the weather had quite a bit to do with it. But I want to hear your breakdown of of what your thoughts were with Week Eight in the NFL, starting with that evening game with Pittsburgh and. Juju Schuster really put in some, <laughs> some action to what uh, Martavius Bryant's mouth was uh, trying to talk about. He certainly made the case for why the team really doesn't need Martavius Bryant. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, indeed. And to a lot of fantasy owners who have Martavius Bryant, it's just mm -hmm. kind of disappointing. Sure. And he's such a big play guy. But when you drafted him, you knew that there was going to be some baggage along with that. But Juju Smith-Schuster has really come on. He led the team in targets with 10, 193 yards and a touchdown. Wow. And he's not really a speed guy, but there was one pass that he caught up the middle. He took it, and he just didn't let anyone catch him. I don't know if he really outran them for 70 whatever yards it was, but he just wasn't going to let them. 97. What was it 97? Yeah, yeah, it was, a, it was a huge catch and run. And yeah, he really, he got his opportunity. And a lot of times in the NFL, it's just about getting an opportunity. And he's gotten one. He sure has taken advantage of it. 
and I'm so glad he got his bike back. Me too. But yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, without it, he, he might have not actually caught that pass. But there's some <laughs> other great things to going on. Uh, Le'Veon Bell obviously had a, a good game indeed. But what are some of the things that stuck out to you this weekend in the NFL? Well, there was that Houston-Seattle game. And oh my gosh, you had both quarterbacks throwing for over 400 yards. You got to see Russell Wilson put the team on his back. Wasn't this the team that was like, couldn't even score 10 points earlier this season? Well, their offensive line is still bad. <laughs> it was just today, I guess, I guess with the Texans missing so many pieces on defense, most importantly, JJ Watt, they don't pack quite the punch that they used to and Russell Wilson today showed that he can play with a bad offensive line he sure did great today he was avoiding pressure he was using his legs and on the other side of the ball Deshaun Watson was doing the same thing he had a really good game he did throw a couple picks and ultimately that was what changed the game but both of these guys to see these guys go back and forth it was a very very exciting game yes it was indeed uh, back and forth both over 400 yards passing uh, actually, Deshaun Watson is actually tying a rookie record for most touchdowns in seven games, 19, in fact, if I believe. He is on fire. <laughs> he really is. He's making the case that, hey, yeah, I am a franchise quarterback. And then also as well for fantasy football owners, there were some other performances that stuck out, maybe not in the best way possible, but Tom Brady, Philip Rivers, I thought that was going to be a shootout, but it didn't quite materialize this afternoon. It did not, but I was expecting the same thing. I was expecting a lot of fireworks and a lot of passing yards. You're right. It just did not happen. Chris Hogan was hurt in this game, so he ended up leaving. That's a pretty big blow for New England, but you did see Deion Lewis getting more involved. He is the best running back on that team, and also Rex Burkhead. Now that he's healthy, he's out catching passes out of the backfield, and he's doing a really good job of it as well. Now, Minnesota they played very well in London, just basically strong-arming the Cleveland Browns in the second half, which uh, actually on the surface doesn't really seem that hard. But they're showing a lot of life. And I know you've had a lot of interest and given them a lot of love over the past few weeks. What do you think it's going to be like going forward for fantasy owners as far as good plays, including possibly adding Case Keenum to the team in fantasy football? Maybe as a streamer, I don't know if I like them week to week. You know, having a couple good games is fine. Um, they really didn't need to do a whole lot to get past Cleveland, but you don't have to throw the ball. So as far as picking up Case Keenum and putting him on your roster, maybe in a deeper league, maybe in a two-quarterback league, but I don't think Minnesota is going to have to throw the ball a lot to win. They're just a really good team. They have two really good running backs that have come up and shown themselves that they weren't the one-trick pony with Dalvin Cook. And again, that, that defense can make so many good things happen in a game. They're winning football games. They're looking good doing it. That they are indeed. Now, is there some surprises or maybe some names that really had good performances this weekend that people and fantasy football team owners, as it gets close to the playoffs, should try and trade for, make offers mm -hmm. for, or try and pick up at the waiver line? I know you've been really, really promoting Joe Mixon as a premier ball carrier if Cincinnati realizes that he's actually there on the team because sometimes they forget about him like they did last week. Yeah. But this week he was actually utilized as a receiver very well this weekend. 
Yeah, they didn't run the ball a lot. They ran the ball less than 20 times. He did get 11 of those. Only got 18 yards. They got bottled up. But, yeah, he caught that long touchdown. And he's just a superior athlete. He's a superior running back. He's better than anyone that they have. And with the shakeup at offensive coordinator earlier in the year, uh, they're going to get him involved. They're going to have to trust him because he's the best thing they have right now in the running game. So his usage is going to continue to increase again they didn't run the ball a lot today but i would expect that they're that they will have some game plans in in the future where they'll want they will want to run the ball a lot and make sure that joe mixon gets a hefty workload now your tuesday podcast will cover the latest injuries also as well it will cover what moves people need to make as they gear up towards a playoff run what are maybe some of the things that, that you're looking forward to for that podcast? Mm-hmm. Maybe some injuries that stuck out this weekend that people may need to make maneuvers or at least think of doing before week nine in the NFL. Well, week nine is going to give us six teams on by. So there are going to be a lot of fantasy owners out there that are going to be looking at number two receivers on some teams that they can pick up for a week, plug in and get some production. For me, Marvin Jones was one of those this week that I got up off the waiver wire, plugged him in, and he put up points for me. So in my Tuesday podcast, I will look at some of the injuries. Guys usually on Monday get an MRI, and we know a lot better Tuesday. But also I'll start looking to some of these bi-week teams and some of the matchups in week nine that maybe you can pluck a guy up off of the waiver wire. Because with so many teams on by, it's going to be difficult. This is important information that people need to be made aware of because your Tuesday podcast sets people off on the right foot. Those teams and those owners that want to go ahead and really make those plans and that push towards the playoffs, this is an important week with all the buy teams that are out there. You need to make replacements, you need to make adjustments, and you need to pick up people off the waiver wire that are going to help you produce while your other main players are on buys. So That's definitely something you need to be aware of, especially if you're going to go ahead and listen to the Outstanding Fantasy Football Pater podcast coming this Tuesday and also his Saturday program. Don't forget that as well. He'll give you updates on all the injuries and everything going on just before week nine really kicks into gear in the NFL on Tuesday and Saturday at Apple Podcasts, also as well, Libsyn. Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast.fm, Player.fm, and SoundCloud. You can also read up on everything that's going on in fantasy football off their Fantasy Football Pater podcast Facebook group and also as well FFPater.com. Tyler, it's going to be another scary week in the NFL coming up. Week with the bye weeks. Indeed, indeed. Definitely a spooky, spooky week coming up. My friend, just have a safe and happy Halloween for you and your loved ones out there. And just make sure you don't get any Browns tickets in your candy. <laughs> Gotta check the candy. You never know when you're going to find some awful Browns tickets in there. <laughs> oh, or it could be worse. Could be even 49ers tickets as well. Oh, nobody's that cruel to do that to a child. No, no. Well, no. you never know. They're, they're kind of pricey. <laughs> That's spooky. That's spooky. Yeah, those are scary prices. <laughs> yes, indeed. Indeed. Once again, it's Tyler Baker for the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast. All the best to you. Yes, Halloween. Thank you. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. We are the Metal Geeks Podcast, and on this show, we have heavy metal, comic books, 
video games, movies, theme parks, and more. Wait, wait, wait. Comics? Yep. And movies? Exactly. Video games? Yeah. Metal? Of course. How does theme parks fit in this? It just does. All of us Metal Geeks can be found at MetalGeeks.net. At Metal Geeks for Twitter. Metal Geeks on Instagram. And Metal Geeks on the Facey Space. You can also find us on iTunes. Subscribe today. Metal Geeks. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos Show. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. And if for some reason you cannot hear us on our awesome network, the Podcast Radio Network, that's no problem. You know you've always got a resource in that all of our shows, the PCC Multiverse, which appears Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network, and this show, which is 10.30 Eastern every Monday on the Podcast Radio Network, are always available on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Ace Podcast Network, Overcast, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunny Geek Network, Cast Crunch, and PopCultureCosmos.wordpress.com, where you'll find a lot of articles from us on the pop culture scene. Josh, you've got a great thing going on with Humanica Media, so tell us what's going on this Halloween week with everything spooky at Humanica Media. Actually, there's some stuff coming out. We got Super BS recording on Wednesday, so you'll see it next week sometime. Uh, and a new Inside Sports on Tuesday. So stay tuned. You can still you can check out our website, check out our Patreon. You know, we got a lot of good stuff there. So keep following us on Facebook, and you'll see all the new stuff popping up, as well as the Attack of the Humanicans on Tuesday night on the Podcast Radio Network. That's right. 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And check out this man's site right here, mannequinmedia.com talked about video game consoles earlier in the broadcast and everything was all well and good within the video game scene the xbox one is still doing okay playstation 4 is the number one right now in this generation nintendo switch is doing strong super nes is basically reviving an old classic with its popularity but in the midst of all this there's been a death announcement as xbox has announced that one of its apparatus it's accessories that they really wanted to take off and it did kind of for a little while in its inception the connect it will no longer be produced but i think by the end of this month so i want to ask you because the latest reports that xbox has said that connect has died well, what kind of mark will it leave with gamers and in history of video games what did the connect bring to the console market uh, the Kinect happened in a very weird time for uh, video games, uh, motion gaming. Both Microsoft and Sony completely overestimated the market for that. And, you know, while it had some, I know a lot of people really liked their experiences with certain Kinect games. Actually, I don't really know many people that had good experiences with that. I did. I mean, I enjoyed it, but it was for a limited amount of games that you could utilize with for anything interactive as far as with exercise and other kinds of games where, where you're required to move around. Yes, it was great. But when it tried to do something else, uh, it really fell flat. There was not a lot of interest by major studios, and I think that was the key why it didn't ultimately see it, any long-term success. But I was hoping that it would expand upon the exercise and dancing games that really tried to tune in to the Connects marketplace. 
Yeah, you know, and like games like Just Dance and stuff like that, it, it worked well, I, but they just, you know, kind of like the guitar heroes and rock bands, the, like the music phase, it came and it went and people eventually got tired of it. I, I think that there's not a lot of people like to get up and have to like move while they're playing video games. And especially like if you can just go to the gym or go running or get on a treadmill or something, it's kind of the connect like motion gaming is a more expensive alternative to buying a gym pass or something or, you know, going outside and going for a walk. So I think we're, we're seeing a, a little bit of a shift there in how people are getting their exercise. Hey, it was a great idea and it was cool for a bit. And I, you know, I know a lot of people still like to move their hands across the screen to click on things or use Cortana or whatever, but God bless the connect, but it's just time to put it away. I think it signals the end of motion gaming. I mean, we also saw this past week, Warner brothers announcing that it's doing <laughs> kaput and that is knocking off and killing off the lego dimensions franchise so i think within the past couple weeks we've seen a signs that to what we thought and what we hoped would be major parts of the gaming scene the toys to life and motion gaming scene dying a horrible death as far as playstation with its move they're still trying to incorporate those move controllers with the psvr but as i've talked about before virtual reality has not leaped onto the market the way they wanted to and that looks like that might be something maybe down the road it might die but we'll have to wait and see on that part but when it comes to all the other things as far as what we're talking about with connect and lego dimensions both of those met an unfortunate demise and I have to say that they ran its course as well. There's there's just no desire by the gaming community out there to continue to want products within this realm. The Toys to Life, I, Disney made a smart move, I guess, as much as I do not want to say it, but they made a smart move by cutting off the Infinity franchise. And once Skylanders goes, that's pretty much it for Toys to Life. And when it comes to Connect, that was probably the biggest sign that motion gaming is dead as well. So... Any last thoughts on dying gaming genres that really didn't come to fruition full force? Hey, man, you know my thoughts on motion game. We've talked about this a lot. Not a huge fan. Never was a huge fan. I like the idea of it, just wasn't a fan of actually owning it and going through all that stuff. Toys to Life as well? I never really got into that. It was, it was one of those things where it was um, just having to buy the extra pieces. That, that, was, that was almost like loot boxes to me. It just didn't, wasn't a huge fan. I hear you. I hear that. And it wasn't a huge fan for a lot of people because it obviously didn't do as well as they wanted Disney cutting the Infinity series off, Warner Brothers cutting Lego Dimensions off, and also as well, Kinect uh, being by uh, Xbox. It's just a telling sign that gamers have a certain vision of how they want to play and interact with their video games. And as long as these console makers don't realize that there's going to be more failures along the way what are your thoughts on the death of connect and also the death of lego dimensions share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com do you think it may be that it was something that it was time to happen that it was long overdue do you even remember that the connect was still around or lego dimensions was still available in stores Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Manic Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. well. I want to make sure we thank director Rob McCallum for stopping by on another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire, Tyler Baker, breaking down week eight in the NFL, and of course, 
Jason Feinberg of Honey Queen. You check out his great podcast on Apple Podcasts and more, breaking down the top five movie franchises in horror. And I'll tell you what, it's been a great spooky Halloween indeed. And from Josh and I, we hope that your Halloween is truly special, truly memorable, and also very much safe. Josh, any last thoughts on this Halloween episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos? Cool. Uh, watch Stranger Things season two. It's pretty good. Just finished it last night. Not as good as season one, but if you get a chance, you need to binge something. Definitely check it out. Check it out, indeed. That's that's great that Netflix has followed up with another outstanding season of Stranger Things. And here's hoping that everyone out there has a truly safe and happy Halloween. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. And it's another beautiful Halloween in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. (laughs) And here's hoping you have yourself a scare. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Hey, welcome uh, NFL football fans. It's that time again, time for another edition of NFL Football Talk. I'm your host, Charles E. Smith Jr. This is an Inside Sports production presented by Humanica Media. And we're all the way up to uh, week eight, which means everyone's played at least, uh, everyone's played seven games here, except for a couple of teams. But uh, we're going to go ahead and break everything down for you. Uh, The latest injury updates, uh, which teams are trending which way, and we'll see what happens here. But as you know, I do not do the show alone. I do enlist the help of the very, very best. So, man, many of you already follow on Twitter at Chris L Sports, and if not, you should be. Here he is, a proud graduate of Rutgers University, and as I always say, and it is absolutely true, my very favorite East Coast intellectual, none other than Chris Lardieri. Chris, what's happening out there, man? Charles, thank you for the record. Full disclosure, no payment. Uh, exchange hands for that line so it's totally genuine uh, i'd like to throw in there my beloved scarlet knights are on a two-game winning streak uh we won't mention the teams in the big 10 they beat but it still counts so thank you uh it's nice to see scarlet knights football at least showing a glimmer of hope but uh the wolverines come to town this week so uh, i think that comes to an end <laughs> we shall see well you know what uh, it's been uh, by the way uh cooled down a little bit at 106 out here in Southern Cal. That's ridiculous. Yes, I think you're used to that kind of weather out there where you are, right? You're further inland, correct? So you're yeah. you kind of laughed at 106. Right. So 
typically what you saw last night at uh, Dodger Stadium for game one, that temperature was the same where it is where I live in my undisclosed location. So it's at least a good, you know, 10, 15, 20 degrees colder there and out towards the coast. So we uh, we suburbanites here in the valley and inland areas laugh at you guys who have to deal with the heat a couple times a year. <laughs> okay, well, let's get down to it. You know, in week seven, we had, you know, Aaron Rodgers went down to injury and then this past week, a couple more go down. Carson Palmer, a quarterback of the Arizona Cardinals, he's down with a broken arm, probably going to miss the rest of the season. You would think with Drew Stanton there, the team is going to nosedive, so I can't see him coming back for a couple of games. And also, he's, uh, what, he's 36, 37 years old now, so that may be the end of him. And also in Miami, that's my favorite squad, as everyone knows, Jay Cutler goes down with cracked ribs. Of course, the entire crowd cheers. And then Matt Moore comes off the bench, leads a comeback. They were 14 down. Matt Moore leads the comeback. They win it uh, down the stretch with another big defensive play. And so uh, things are looking pretty good in Miami. And then also, now, this, this guy is obscure but shouldn't be. Joe Thomas, left tackle for the uh, Cleveland Browns. He has an 11-year career, had never even missed a snap. He had played over 10,000 snaps consecutive. He tore a triceps muscle. Uh, his career actually may be done. We don't know. But when you look at his numbers, I mean, all the Pro Bowls, I think 10 straight Pro Bowls, eight times all pro. He's got numbers that are up there with, like, the Jonathan Ogdens and Willie Rose of the world. But because he protected, who knows, probably 22 just garbage quarterbacks, he is the least known left tackle in the league, even though he's headed to the Hall of Fame. But uh, it's too bad that they never gave him a decent quarterback to protect. But Joe Thomas just had a great, great career in, in Cleveland. And when he goes in the Hall of Fame, he's going to be the first Cleveland Brown inducted into the Hall of Fame since... Uh, Jim Brown? <laughs> yeah, we're saying Jim. I got to go with Jim Brown, too. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think Sam Ritigliano or Brian Cyper in the Hall of Fame. But, yeah, really, you know, kind of went under the radar. But the, the Cal Ripken of, of this sport, and, you know, what's even more sad is over the last few years there were rumors that he would get traded to a contender. Um, I mean, the Giants definitely could have used him for one, but there were a lot of teams that were interested, and they never traded him. So the guy, uh, I don't want to say toiled in obscurity, toiled in misery, I think, in Cleveland. So uh, props to him. I'm, I'm glad he, he got some form of recognition. I hope this isn't the end of line of the line for him. Okay, so you know, looking at some of these teams, we just take a look at some of the other games. Uh, the big game was a Super Bowl rematch, which was the New England Patriots uh, against the Atlanta Falcons. Obviously, the Patriots just rolled them twenty-three to seven, and also Jacksonville. They keep their curious win-loss, 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 win pattern going without Leonard Fournette, twenty-seven to nothing over Indianapolis. I mean, can you make really a lot of sense of take New England first and then go to Jacksonville? What do you think about it? especially Jacksonville without Leonard Fournette, without their hammer, and they go out there and just completely destroy the Indianapolis Colts? Yeah, I don't know if there's really a trend to be derived here, but I will tell you this. Look at their opponents. It appears to me as though the Colts, and, and they're thin and they miss Andrew Luck, have mm -hmm. all but given up on this season and are their coach, Chuck Pagano. I mean, you know, they showed some signs of life, but the last three couple games, they really uh, look like they've mailed it in. With the Patriots, you know, um, I know there are a lot of fog conspiracy theorists out there, and nothing's been proven yet by the 
FAA, the Weather Channel, et cetera. But uh, look at the Falcons. And I've, I've been thinking about this, and I think it's fair to say Steve Sarkeesian is gradually ruining another team, this time in the NFL. I don't know what he's doing with his play calling. Uh, I was telling one of my coworkers at Julio Jones, that was his first touchdown of the year. He didn't believe me. It's really hard to believe, isn't it? Um, I don't know what he's doing, calling running plays with Taylor Gabriel. When you've got Freeman, one of the top backs in the NFL, who's not getting the rock enough. Matt Ryan looks either confused or mediocre. Honestly, I, I just don't even know if it's his fault at this point. But that team's a mess offensively, and uh, you know, they may need to yank the play calling from him. So, uh the fact that, you know, you and I picked the Falcons. We thought it would be a high-scoring game. Right. I mean, the under came in, and it was a dud. So uh, I think a lot of people were surprised by that. And um, I think the I think uh, the Falcons, you know, we, we said they're probably going to come back down to earth. But props to you. Look who's in first in the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. The Saints, they just keep on rolling along. And then, you know, the Rams last week, you know, they, uh, they take care of business against the Arizona Cardinals. They continue to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And I just like the way they're trending. And we have to remember, like I said last week, I'm almost all in on the Rams. When they, went, when they won their first Super Bowl in history, remember the season before that, they were 4-12. and And this year, we're looking at last season, they were 4-12. and And they just keep on getting stronger. But a team that may have something to say about that, also coming out of nowhere, and I like that they were in the same draft class, Carson Wentz, who was quarterbacking the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, they beat Washington uh, 34-24 on Monday night. And the best thing is in December, we're going to get a clash of the Philadelphia Eagles and the Los Angeles Rams right here in L.A. with those two quarterbacks. It just The stars are aligning perfectly. Absolutely. Funny you mentioned, I was talking about that with a big Rams fan today named Han, uh, and he brought that game up, and who would have thought? And you know, immediately we both reverted to our usual Cleveland Browns jokes and how uh, you know they continue to pass on quarterbacks. But, yeah, that should really be an interesting game. Who would have thought that going in? Uh, one thing I want to say about the Eagles, they're 6-1. Everyone's going gaga over them. I yeah. looked at their schedule. They lost to the Chiefs, which are a good team. They squeak one out against the Panthers. Other than that, none of their opponents have a winning record. So I'm going to be a little bit of a skeptic here. Believe it when I see it. The NFC East is uh, when the Eagles go on the road and beat a team like the Rams or you know beat a, another team with a winning record and not the 49ers like this weekend, I'll start to be a believer. You know, it's nothing against Carson Wentz. I think the defense is playing well, but – Jason Peters, left tackle, done for the year. I think that's going to be a big loss for them. So a uh, great story right now heading into the first half of the season, but uh, let's see what happens in November and December. But regardless, that, that already looks like a compelling matchup in the Coliseum. Yep, fantastic. And then, uh, well, you talk about that, and one of the teams we're going to go when we get into our pick segment is the Dallas Cowboys. They're sitting at 3-3. Three and three, And, uh, yeah, they had a big win over the 49ers, but wait till you see the uh, combined record of the three teams that they've beaten so far this season so about uh, los angeles chargers chargers take down denver denver seems to be in a free fall of sorts and then also uh, kind of under the radar baltimore a complete nosedive in the afc north i think up this last game uh in losing to minnesota 24 to 16 i think flacco only had what 140 yards passing or something like that in a league where you can't even cover receivers that sounds ridiculous and then even further under the radar is Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC, who are supposed to do something this year, and I think they're sitting at, is it sitting at two and four right now? So, a lot of teams. That's why it's hard to make these picks. We do the, 
the uh, previews for the season and pick these teams, you just never know how things are going to gel. That's why there's the beginning of the season. you got to reevaluate midseason, and then right before the playoffs, you do a reevaluation again. It's not cheating or anything, but in this era of free agency and new offensive coordinators and everybody switching places there, going here, going there, you never know who's going to gel exactly right. Yeah, and don't forget the almighty injuries. I mean, that, that can change things right. on the dime. Just look at the Green Bay Packers. I mean, everyone thought they were going to coast to the NFC North title, and uh, now with one week of Brett Hundley under their belt, uh, not so optimistic. Yeah, that's true. So we're, a lot of things just up for grabs, and, uh, yeah, that's that division. Also, uh, the NFC South, we don't know what's going to happen there. So before we get into, you know, we do a couple of segments. We've got the pick segment coming up, and we got our Gambler's Delight segment, and then we got some great fantasy football advice, which, uh, by the way, Mr. Lardier has been spot on all year long with that fantasy football advice. But, uh, Chris, before we get into those, uh, you got some wisdom you'd like to uh, share with the fans out there. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone knows I'm a big fan of the NFL. I've been watching for many, many decades, uh, longer than I care to admit as old I am, but uh, I digress. Um this week, this past week of football was utterly boring and at, at some points atrocious. I mean, you had three shutouts, and I believe uh, the, at this point last year, I think there may have been three the entire season. So um, not a heck of a lot of scoring. You factor in the injuries, I get it. You factor in some uh, some trips to London. I don't know if teams just seen them. One of the two teams always seem to mail it in, like the Cardinals appeared to, but uh, just some ugly football. And, you know, heading into the – the next two weeks, we've got, I think, six teams on by this week and a bunch the following week. Uh, you know, I'm not, not quite sure what to make of it, but a little bit of a lull here. I'm hoping things pick up, but uh, you, know, you made a great point earlier with the, the, the kind of the loosening of defensive rules and you, know, you don't see the hand checking and the bump and run like you used to back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, these teams should be scoring. I, I don't know what we blame it on, deflated footballs, inflated footballs, but uh, some really anemic offense in the last week. And uh, it's, a, it's a good week to sleep. I mean, it was my uh, my lovely wife's birthday. We went out of town for the night, and I got to tell you, I'm glad we did. It was perfect timing because uh, just watching that giant Seahawks game alone was enough to put you back to sleep on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And then remember, even though it was uh, almost, almost a week ago because we're doing the show right now on Wednesday, October 25th. So as far as we know, Ezekiel Elliott is still going to be playing, but that's subject to change without notice. But uh, Oakland last week, they kind of had a get-right game. We don't know if that will carry over or not, but the scintillating 31-30 to Thursday night win over over Kansas City when it took, I don't know how many, five plays down the stretch. But no, <laughs> hey, no monkey business by the officials. Everything was called perfectly with that many plays down the stretch. But the thing is, they're going in through this weekend, with Marshawn Lynch uh, sitting out of one-game suspension for his uh, shenanigans kind of during that game. So we'll see if that was kind of uh, the Oakland Raiders getting right or was it just fluky? And then we got to look at the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs have suddenly lost two games in a row after looking like world beaters. Yeah, the AFC West could really be wide open. I know a lot of people are down on the Broncos now, but if they could get some decent quarterback play, They'll get back in it. And, yeah, the Chargers, everyone had written off now on a three-game winning streak. So uh, I think it's still a competitive division. We all know uh, Andy Reid and his M.O. He loves to, to give leads or games away. So anything's possible. Don't give up hope. Okay, here we go. So let's go ahead and get in the, into the uh, picks of the week for week eight. What we do is we take five of the more intriguing matchups, and we give you our uh, kind of our opinions on who may win or lose. Uh, 
pretty good doing on the season here. Uh, last week I went four and one with my picks. I'm 27 and eight on the year. Uh, Chris went three and two, and he's 20 and 15 on the year. So we'll go ahead and Mr. Lardieri, you can go ahead and break down the first game for us, which is uh, Oakland and Buffalo. Yeah, the aforementioned Raiders, uh, two and a half point underdogs head into Buffalo. Uh, we all know the Raiders, when they travel east, could be a little bit dicey. Earlier this year in opening weekend, they beat the Titans, but uh, remains to be seen how they will fare. I think they have the Dolphins next week, and they'll be staying back east. But uh, the Bills really one of the surprise teams this year. Sean McDermott implementing his uh, Panthers defense. This is a team that traded away Sammy Watkins and kind of thought they were throwing the season away to do a rebuild. Right. They they hung on to beat the Buccaneers last week. Shady McCoy woke up and uh, – Tyrod Taylor, whoever wanted to put on the scrap heap, uh, played a nice game. And, and you know, he, he may not be the most stellar quarterback, but he runs, he throws, he manages the game. I'll take him over Blake Bortles any day. Uh, I do think while it was impressive that the Raiders won, I'm going to continue with that trend and say, look, a trip east is tough, especially going up against this up-and-coming Bills defense. I'm going to go with the Bills. I think they've got a lot of momentum. I think at the end of the day, while he hasn't been producing much, they are going to miss beast mode just because uh, – do you really trust Richard and Washington or some running back? Uh, you shut the pass down on the Raiders. I think they're a beatable team. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, I'm going to go ahead with you on that. We'll see if uh, – because what I did like was the Raiders' play, play calling was a lot better than it's been in the past uh, month or so when they beat the Chiefs. They're more aggressive. We'll see if that carries over. But you do kind of have to go with a known quantity here, which is the Buffalo Bills, the strong defense. They got a good run game. Uh, we'll see what they can do, but I look for this to be a close contest, but I'm going to go with Buffalo also. Uh, they're going to beat them close just like they beat uh, Tampa Bay last week. So Oakland still trying to get right and uh, still think something's going to happen with as far as the uh, offensive coordinator. We'll see what's happening. Maybe uh, Del Rio is going to fire under, but we shall see. I'm going with Buffalo as well. Now, given your stellar record, I'm glad we finally agree, Charles. <laughs> okay, and then two teams uh, – you know, who knows what to make of it. The Carolina Panthers, who are a two-point underdog, going into Tampa Bay to play the Buccaneers. Panthers at 4-3, and three, Buccaneers at 2-4, and four, like we talked about, one of the more uh, disappointing teams. But Carolina, this last couple of weeks, they've looked really just pretty bad. Uh, lost on Thursday Night Football. And then this past week, only put up three points against Chicago. Not that Chicago's great because they won 17-3, to three, but two of their touchdowns were off of uh, defensive uh, turnovers. So I just like, uh, when I look at it, the way that they're trending, uh, Cam Newton, whatever magic he had for the first few games of the season, it seems to be wearing off. I think Tampa Bay, even though it's only two and four, but they're playing a more consistent brand of football. Uh, Luke Keekley, I don't know his status right now because there's a concussion protocol, the great middle linebacker for the Panthers. I'm going with Tampa Bay at home, and I just don't like the way that Newton has been playing the last couple of weeks. That's really the determining factor. I'm going Tampa Bay. All right, I'm going to disagree with you here. I really don't have a heck of a lot of statistical evidence other than uh, these two things. One, I saw Keekley might be able to play this weekend. I, I think if he does, that changes the dynamic of their defense. And uh, number two, Cam had another little dust-up and being the diva that he is in a press conference today, declined to answer a question. Not quite sure how or why, but the last time this happened, he lit up the Patriots, and I frankly don't like the way the Buccaneers are playing on the defensive side of the ball, which is surprising. They have a lot of, a lot of hype coming into the season on, on the D there, but uh, they're not producing, so uh, 
I think this could be an ugly, low-scoring game. That's my guess. But uh, I'll go with the Panthers for no reason other than that. Okay. There you go. And if maybe if the Panthers had Greg Olson available, I might be agreeing with you. But they don't, so I ain't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Go ahead and take down the next game here for us, man. Sure. Game three, the Houston Texans coming off a bye week, getting five and a half, heading into Seattle to face the 12s and the Seahawks. And uh, look, uh, I know the Seahawks went into the Meadowlands and beat up on a uh, completely inferior, to be honest, Giants team. But you know, in, into the late in the second half, I mean, this is a game the Giants could have won. There were a few turnovers that determined it. I wasn't a heck of a lot impressed with the Seahawks offense. I know Wilson kind of got it going and threw a few touchdowns, but uh, for most of the game, they really struggled. I think coming off a bye and the fact that Deshaun Watson's really playing excellent, um, I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to pick the Texans here. I like the way that they're playing on offense. Even though they missed J.J. Watt, you've still got a lot of uh, studs on the defensive side of the ball, and they can rush the passer, which I think they can on Wilson. That'll change the dynamic of this game. Take the Texans in an upset. <laughs> Okay, and yet again, we're going to disagree here. The Seahawks, I just like them with the home field advantage. And those little things, the Seahawks, they win more games that they probably shouldn't win. Uh, the only team better at that is, is really the Patriots. The Seahawks, a few weeks ago, they should have lost the Rams, but they didn't. Uh, like you said, the Giants were in the game, but ultimately the Seahawks come out victorious. It's all the little things they do well just to play here and play there. And that's why I got to go with the uh, with the Seahawks to win this. It's good. This should be a good game, though, and I think it's going to be a lot closer than uh, than the point spread here. But uh, still, uh, the veteran presence, Wilson, and then the veteran presence on the defense of the Seahawks against the uh, rookie quarterback. I think that should be a determining factor there. I'm going to go Seahawks. You know. Um... I do think when you beat Alabama in a national title game, I don't think the uh, the Seahawks crowd will intimidate you as a quarterback. Just my my opinion there. <laughs> All right, now those are boys. We're talking grown ass men here now, though, homie. <laughs> hey, uh, we'll see. Okay, so here we go. Now, intriguing matchup now. NFC East: Dallas Cowboys at three and three in Washington to play the Redskins, who are also at three and three. Dallas uh, coming off the bye, and then we got Washington, or something, not coming off the bye, but coming off spanking the 49ers, 40-10, I believe it was. It's like a bye. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So people look at this, and just much like when uh, Cincinnati replaced their offensive coordinator, then they go out and beat up on the Cleveland Browns and then say, oh, well, Cincinnati's back now. Yeah, no, they're not. The Cowboys, the same thing. They've struggled all season long. Three and three, but the three teams that they've beaten have a combined record of four and 17. They beat the one and six Giants. They beat the 0 and seven San Francisco 49ers. And they beat the uh, three and four Arizona Cardinals. That was the Cardinals, of course, without David Johnson. What I'm going to say here is Washington playing at home. And I think Washington is a better football team than the Cardinals were when, this, when the Cowboys beat them. So I know that's a lot of, a lot of speculation there, but. Dallas is a prove-it-to-me team. I don't think they can go into the nation's capital and beat the Redskins. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Redskins here. I'm going to go and agree with you. You know, uh, Kirk Cousins, I know he's a whipping boy down there in D.C., but you really can't blame him. He's been playing well the last few weeks. Surprisingly, the defense, which was good at the beginning part of the season, has kind of let the team down, but I think they get things back on track. Ultimately, you stop Ezekiel Elliott. I think you stop the Cowboys. They'll dare, dare Prescott to beat them, and um, 
I, I do think that the the Redskins, are, you know, they're, they're not a great team, but I don't think they're as bad as their record reflect. And, um, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head. Who have the Cowboys beaten? So I'll take Washington. <laughs> there we go. Okay, and then go ahead and uh, break down the last game, up-and-coming team against a team that, well, I don't really know. <laughs> take it away. Yeah. The uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, everyone's now anointing them the uh, kings of the AFC now that the Patriots and Raiders are having their much-documented struggles. Uh, they are giving three points heading into Detroit. Uh, the, I don't know, for lack of a better term, schizophrenic Lions. Uh, mm-hmm. One week they pull out a victory, another week they just don't show up. Um, I really like the fact that Le'Veon Bell has gotten going. It's changed that offense completely. It's quieted the critics of Roethlisberger are ready to put him out to pasture. If you pound the ball with him a good 25, 30 times, you're going to control the clock. You're going to free up uh, the pass. And I think Roethlisberger, uh, you know, Martavius Bryant wants to be traded. He's got other options besides Antonio Brown. You look at Juju Smith-Schuster. I think the, the even though they're favored going on the road, that doesn't mean anything to me. I think the Steelers win this game. Uh, Detroit, like we said, we really don't know who they are, but bottom line is I don't like the way they're playing now and they're running into one of the strongest teams in the NFL. Steelers is the pick. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, the Steelers coming off just destroying the uh, Cincinnati Bengals last week, 29-14. to 14. And uh, as I predicted last week, I talked about the – uh, Bengals defense and Vontaze perfect up to the same stuff. He mule kicks uh, Roosevelt Nicks in the head. No penalty called, no fine from the office, no nothing because that's just who he is. That's kind of, I guess it's okay. But Bengals, that's another team just headed down. But Pittsburgh, as I said, as soon as they make up their minds that they want to truly rule the AFC, they will do it. I think that's been done. And uh, I think Detroit is really going to pay the price here. I'm going with the Steelers as well. Good to agree again, Charles. I need anything to help my mojo. <laughs> okay, there we go. So that's the game's uh, five intriguing matchups. By the way, I'm going to love watching my uh, my Miami Dolphins play Baltimore primetime on Thursday night. We didn't pick that game. We'd have both said Miami. There's no drama there. Right, Chris? Absolutely. You know, um, when we get into our gambler's delight pick, I kind of wish this was a Sunday game because I was uh, – I had to do a double take. The the Dolphins, am I correct, are getting three points? Did I miss something, or is my phone acting up? I I really uh, you know can't figure that one out. That's a real head scratcher to say the least. There we go. Okay, so the Gambler's Delight special for some of those who may not follow us regularly. But what we do is we take one game where if you were in Vegas, you have twenty dollars, you buy the sports book, you need to place a bet. Got to be a football bet, of course. So. These are kind of the teams that we would bet on if we had to. So, Chris, go ahead and take it away. And you're true. That's true. The uh, Baltimore Ravens are getting – they are uh, giving three points there in their home game on Thursday. Maybe it's because of the whole Matt Moore thing. No one knows how he'll do for the the duration of a game. He's going to be starting for Cutler. Yeah. um, You know, look, he's a serviceable backup. He played in a playoff game last year. I don't know. I mean, if – like I said, if I had my druthers, I'd take the points of Miami as my gambler's delight pick. I don't think uh, Matt Moore, by any means, is Jeff Hostetler going to lead the team to a Super Bowl. But uh, that that Ravens offense is anemic, and uh, if Case Keenum can beat you, why can't Matt Moore? But anyway, uh, to my pick, keeping with the uh, earlier pick segment, um, the Houston Texans are getting five and a half, some spot six, uh, heading into Seattle. 
I think this could be easily a close game. While I think the Texans could win if something messes up, a field goal was missed here or there, a fumble determines the game, I do not see the Seahawks pulling away and winning this game by a substantial margin. Take the points. They're coming off a bye week. Watson's really playing well. Uh, Will Fuller's emerged coming off of injury as a nice second option for him, and uh, I just don't think Russell Wilson is going to light up that Houston defense. So take the points. That's my gambler's delight pick for the week. Okay, there we go. So take Houston and the points. And what I'm going to do is go back to the first game that we picked here. And we've got the Oakland Raiders and Buffalo. I'm going to go ahead and say take Buffalo to cover that. Take Buffalo. Give the two and a half points. And uh, I think Buffalo is going to go ahead and take that game. I, I just I don't believe in the Raiders. They're another prove-it-to-me team. So I'm going to say mine is Buffalo over the Raiders. Go ahead and give that two and a half points. And you can thank us both next week. Absolutely. Okay, there we go. So, the picks of the week, the Gambler's Delight picks, and now one of my favorite segments. I turn it over to the resident expert, and he has been terrific all year long. All you fantasy football players, get out the pens and papers, ears open, minds open, pay attention. Here comes Mr. Lardieri, fantasy football. Talk to us. Why, thank you. Yeah, my team dropped one this week, finally. It was long overdue. Luckily, we're still in first place. Had I followed my own advice at certain points, I'd probably be in a little bit better shape. I missed out on Deshaun Watson, for instance. Um, you know, we've got a lot of issues with bye weeks this week. I've got Marcus Mariota. I had to go out looking for a quarterback. Who did I go find him waivers? I don't have to pay a dime for him. He was sitting out there this morning. One Matt Moore of the Dolphins. Will he be great? I don't know. But the options, the Flacco's, the Case Keenum's, the C.J. Bethard's of the world really don't impress me much. At the very least, I, I think Moore can spread the ball around. Maybe that opens up some opportunities for Ajayi on, on offense and uh, you know, it turns in a little bit of a ball control game. But I do think he's a better quarterback than Cutler right now for the Dolphins. I know Kenny Stills likes him a lot better. That's a guy, if you need a bye week plug-in, go get him. Might not be the long-term answer, but you know, your goal is to win week by week. It's not to have the prettiest roster. Another guy, you know, he may have tight end issues. Look at O.J. Howard in Tampa Bay, the rookie, a much heralded rookie out of Alabama. If your tight end's on bye, go grab him this week. I know Cameron Brait's getting a lot of targets, but Winston is now working Howard into the mix. He's a good option there. Um, you look at uh, another guy you know, from the Carolina Panthers. He's bounced around the NFL. He's starting to get more targets now with the New Orleans Saints. Ted Ginn Jr., everyone's favorite uh, hybrid receiver kick returner. You know, Breeze has been looking for him with Willie Sneed being hurt and not being in the mix and uh, Kobe Fleener always letting you down like he did to me last season, for instance. Uh, definitely worth a flyer if you need a flex play or a third wide receiver to replace one of your bye players. Um, now, here's another trick I want you to do. There are six teams on bye. Let me uh, get this factually correct. You've got the Cardinals, Rams, Packers, Jaguars, Giants, and Titans. If you want to learn a little trick that I've kind of learned many years of playing fantasy football, look through these teams. Sometimes when you're on bye and a guy doesn't manage, if your opponent doesn't manage his roster well, he'll put someone on waivers. I'll give you an example. Sterling Shepard of the Giants. Uh, teams might release him because he's on bye and he's been hurt. Well, He's going to be playing again, and you say, well, the Giants stink. Well, they're going to be throwing the ball a lot, and he's going to be the number one option when he does come back. Another one in that vein, you look at Robert Woods for the L.A. Rams. I've got Sammy Watkins. He's been a major disappointment. Woods has been getting more targets. Cooper Cup has. I doubt he's going to be available on waivers, but uh, Woods is someone to look at. And then another receiver from the Titans, Corey Davis. He's been hurt. He looks to come back. Mariota is not getting the ball to uh, Eric Decker like a lot of people thought. If Davis is indeed healthy – 
go out there, grab him, stash him away. It looks like he's ready to come back. First week of the season, he had a nice game against the Raiders. Keep your eye on him. That and, you know, coming up like we've been beating through your head the last few weeks, manage your buys. You're going to have teams out. Uh, do not carry two defenses. Stream. I mean, um, you know, I've got the Steelers. I'd release them one week. I picked them back up. There's a team out there. Not going to get you a ton of points, but they're consistent. Um, you know, a team like even uh, Atlanta, play the matchups. They play the Jets this week. They may be an option for you. So uh, do not stash kickers and defenses during these bye weeks. Those slots are, are far too valuable for you. All right. Fantastic. And by the way, you can go ahead and check his record. You can go back through the previous shows. He has been spot on all year long. And remember, everybody, follow us on Twitter. Follow Mr. Lardier at Chris L Sports. You can follow yours truly at The Inside Sports. So, Chris, we're going to sign off. Uh, have you got any final words for us? Yeah, you know, I, I hit on this earlier. You know, we, we had a really just anemic week. Um, there have been a lot of uh, pieces in the media I've read about what the cause of declining NFL ratings are. It, it's, it's just an interesting topic that never seems to go away. You can't blame it on one thing, but I, I will notice this. And, yeah, I've got a son who likes to watch football. I talk to a lot of different people. I'm at my daughter's softball games on weekends. The dads are watching on their phone. And I really don't think that the game is less popular, although there, there is that fallout from the, uh, from the flag protest, Kaepernick, et cetera. I do think people's viewing habits have changed, whether they DVR it, whether you've got this, yeah, I've got this app on Verizon where I can watch my local games and the Sunday night game on my phone. So I just don't think people are sitting in front of their TV all the time and are watching something like Red Zone. Um, do I think the league has issues? Absolutely. I mean, some of these games are frankly unwatchable. I mean, Browns, Vikings in London? Are you, Charles, are you going to get up at 6.30 to watch that game? I mean, if you're a Vikings fan, I don't know if you'd do that. So, um you know, bigger picture, I will say this, speaking of London, I don't know how the NFL could possibly put a team there. I don't know what Roger Goodell is thinking there. But could you imagine the, the Rams or the sea, uh, Seahawks having to make that trip to go play a, a game in London? That would just be brutal and honestly unfair. So uh, while I do know that the uh, expats and the locals in the U.K. like seeing their football, like uh, my coworker Joe went to one of the games, um, I don't think long-term it's an answer. Mexico City, I get you're in the same time zone. Um, you're just a short flight from Texas, California, Arizona, wherever the case is. But please, NFL, don't put a team in London. That, that, that's my final parting thought for you. <laughs> there you go. All right, everybody. And, uh, yeah, we're going to check out here. And, by the way, I love postseason baseball. I know it's a football show. But here we are doing the show on Wednesday night, October 25th. And what happens? It was 3-2 to two in the ninth when we started the show. Now it is Five to three in favor of the Astros in the top of the 10th after a couple of home runs. So fantastic stuff. This is why I love the game. This is why I love sports. I've been a sports fan since the 70s, since I was able to understand it. So for Chris Lardieri, I'm Charles E. Smith, Jr. Thank you for watching NFL Football Talk, and we will see everybody next week.